Ladies and gentlemen, hello, hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Sherm in the Booth. My name is Sherm. You guys are some true Chicagoans for coming out in January. It's snowing outside, it's freezing, and you're at the f***ing club at 1 a.m. Boys with the bass, yeah, boys, boys, bass. Who am I talking to right now? You're famous. <laughs> free food, free drinks, music. Girls, let's go. Do you like it? Cool. If you don't, goodbye. <laughs> I'm missing the most important part. Boys with the bass, yeah. We should throw like a crazy like bar mitzvah party. This, this is crazy. Send me stems. I finished it. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? How is everyone doing? Just wait, you know it kicks in like three to five seconds afterward. (laughs) Yo, yo, what's good, everyone? And welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherman the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm, and today we've got an amazing episode for you. Episode 222 features the incredibly talented DJ producer, Ares Carter. This NYC native has built quite the name for himself since entering the music industry almost 10 years ago, and we had such a great conversation. We got it all in, from his early days as a tour DJ for I Love McConan, to having a song in FIFA 22, to touring the world and playing festivals like Ultra and Electric Zoo, Ares has quite the story so far. So glad we got to connect in person at ADE a few weeks ago. He's such a good guy and deserves everything coming his way. My man, thanks for coming on, and without further ado, let's get into it right now so you can hear his story for yourselves. This is episode 222 with Ares Carter. Ladies and gentlemen, hello, hello, and welcome to Sherm in the Booth. We are back, first remote interview back in quite some time, and it is my pleasure to welcome my new friend, Ares Carter, onto the show. Welcome, my man. How are you? I'm great, man. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely, brother. I am such a big fan. And uh, we just said before we went live, we got to meet in Amsterdam at ADE, the penultimate like dance music gathering and networking event in the world. How do you explain it to people? Like, I don't know if your mom or dad is into dance music when they're like, what are you going to? And I'm like, I don't know how to explain this. Yeah, I would say for people that are sort of familiar with the scene, I'd say it's basically like Miami Music Week for Europe. Yeah, yeah, um, yep. that, that, that's kind of, that's kind of a bit a bit more business heavy, less on the party side, which yeah. I appreciate. Like it's, bit, it's always a bit more productive than Miami. Oh, um, really productive. That's why. Yeah, I it's extreme. It's extremely productive. I always get to accomplish a lot. Like yeah. last year when I went, my goal was to find new management, and I did that. And fuck yeah. Um. And yeah, so you always just meet tons of people and it's like one of the few times of the year yeah when if you're like networking you can be sort of you you don't want obviously we just talked about you don't want to be forceful but you mm-hmm. can be like it's okay it's like okay to go up to someone like hey i make music i'd love for you to check it out you know and then people yes. are open to it people are people are there to look for new music they're, for, they're there to find new artists so it's like yep it makes sense as an artist or as a label as anyone in the industry to go there and mm-hmm get their name out and make connect and make connections and people are always open to receiving that like that's why labels go even the biggest labels in the world are there to get to hear new music so they're yeah it's a perfect time to get, get your stuff out like as opposed to meeting someone at a, a random party any time of the year and they're <laughs> well, like, you can't don't really want to deal with except when you can't hear them they're and they just want to party <laughs> they don't want to hear about your new demo but <laughs> and everybody's trying to get backstage and shit exactly yeah oh my god that's actually a, that's a great description of it it certainly is yeah. like Miami music week in the sense where there's not ultra but there's a lot of big parties and you know huge crowds going on i guess there is uh the amf festival but yeah different than ultra but i love amsterdam dance event it is like i went last year for the first time and always wanted to go um and i consider it to be the most valuable and beneficial networking and growth tool that you can do no matter what side of the business you're on if you're an artist you can go meet other artists like you can go look for a manager if you're an agent you can go meet a future uh talent on your roster if you're a label you can go connect with other artists or meet people in licensing and publishing and if you just want to learn then you go to ade and you get to hear armin van buren talk about 20 years of armada and what he did to grow and you get the opportunity to ask questions and that's why um i'm really proud of the panel that we hosted because i proposed that idea to them you know and i was like 
look, last year you guys were talking a lot about uh, how to make it in America, how to get booked in the U.S., what's going on with the tech house scene there. Like, let me host a panel with um, artists and also label owners and also management from people in the U.S. and give them the perspective or give anyone the perspective because I know who's in the audience. It's those people we just mentioned. And to see a room full of people, you can vouch for me. It was the room was filled. Oh yeah, it was it was packed. Yeah, it was and I packed. Was like, and, you, and you and you and you. I was I was kind of funny. It was like at the end after the panel ended. Yeah, so many guys were came up and they were so excited to meet you and yeah. Susan and Nick. <laughs> yeah, they and were. Like they were and, like, and they were and they were, and they wanted to talk to you guys. And like the next panel was about to start, and was, I think it was like some like law. We got panel. kicked out. Like, yeah, yeah. These like lawyer guys in suits, and they're like, um, what's going on here? <laughs> well, that's <laughs> good. That's good. People guys. were excited about it. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bunch of Ameri- but it's all these like European lawyers and all these American tech house bros like <laughs> taking over the room. <laughs> that's ADE for you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so true, man. Oh man, it was such a blast, bro. But um, you know, it's it's amazing to have you on. Um, I I've Thank obviously you. known about you for for quite some time. So um, humbled that you had discovered me through Sherman the Booth over the past couple of years. Um, I know you're a New York City boy, and uh, my dad was actually yeah. from Queens, so I love oh, New wow. York City, Bayside, Queens. My aunt yeah. and uncle lived on the up, have lived on the Upper West Side for 40 years. I'm very proud about that. They're the New Yorkers oh, that wow. move. Are you that type of New Yorker? Yep, exactly. I did. Yep. I okay. did. I went to college here. I was born and yeah. raised here. I went to college here at NYU. <laughs> and um, I, I tr- during COVID, during when New York was like shut down, I did a year in Miami to play more shows. <laughs> but as soon as New York opened, but I was, I was there for one year. Yeah. I, it was a good time. As soon as right. New York opened back up, I was back here. Amazing. Where do you live in New York City? Uh, I'm in the Hudson Yards area, which is uh, on the west side. Yeah. Um, but I grew up on the Upper East Side. Amazing, man. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. New York is so cool. Um obviously a vibrant scene but there's a lot going on there and it's uh obviously very saturated with talent in the music industry and yeah i did my research on you bro you've really hustled your way to the top and you've got a great story but before we get into some of the accolades do you remember when you sort of first started getting into music and maybe when dance music came into your life yeah i was about 15 and like sophomore year of high school i had been like aware of it because that that was i'd say 2012 and it was starting to come up a bit that's the boom um yeah yeah that was a, that was a boom and i happened to be in miami with my dad yep. during miami music week while it was happening just on like spring break vacation with my dad and ultra was happening my friends were telling me about it i was like oh you gotta go yeah check it out if you're in miami all, all all these artists are playing and um the only artists I knew at the time were Avicii and Skrillex, who were like the two headliners that year. Pretty much same, bro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I was, I love them. So I was like, I want to go. So yeah, I got his tickets. He took me when I was 15. Nice. In like GA. And I was in the crowd, <laughs> definitely the youngest person there with my dad. But I saw Avicii perform that night and I was like, that's what I want to do. Oh, dude. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. You got a cool ass dad. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. That's amazing, dude. And, and, flash forward 10 years pretty much right and you're playing at the worldwide stage oh yeah you did your research wow <laughs> yeah, of course man yeah. i go on soundcloud yeah, yeah. brother and i knew yeah. that too about you i mean like exactly I said, i've yeah. been following you but thank you man we'll, we'll get into that much later but that that's amazing dude so then no, so, that, that was a full circle moment for sure yeah oh my god congratulations yeah. to you. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, can happen for me at Lollapalooza one day that's that's one of the goals awesome. yeah that's higher than that you know yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like for Chicago. That, that, that I sort of felt the same way when I played Electric Zoo in New York because yeah. that was like New York's festival, but like yep. Ultra's Ultra, you know? Ultra's yeah. Ultra, bro. I yeah. Mean, that, cross that one off the bucket list, brother. Yeah. You'll be back for sure. Um, yeah. So 15 years old, you go to Ultra. Shout out to your dad, fucking man. And yeah. uh, you came back just with a fire in your belly being like, I want to be a DJ. Do you remember when you were like, okay, I want to take this seriously? Because when you start, I mean, this happened for me, right? Like I had fun in college as a DJ, you go to some shows and you just kind of start mixing and you play with your friends, maybe some parties. But there's that moment when you're like, I'm going to actually be an artist rather than just doing this for fun. Do you remember if there was a significant moment or what pushed you to actually pursuing this? That's an interesting question because I'd say I've had like two of those moments in my career, you know? Yeah. I, I think everyone, when they first start, they have that moment like oh like, i want to be a vici or i want to be this person yeah. so you try it but when you're in high school it's like your goals are sort of limited you know so my at the time when i started my goal was only playing like 
my friends' high school parties. Like I was a sophomore in high school, and my goal was to convince the seniors to let me DJ the parties they were throwing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it took and it took me a bit to do that that alone, but eventually I was able to do, uh, able to do that. Yeah, and um, and then I'm not sure if you remember. But there used to be a Pacha, like Pacha Biza in New York. Yeah. Oh, dude, I've and, heard about yeah. it from all the New York yeah. City DJs I've interviewed. Yeah, yeah, Pacha New York. And they actually threw under 18 events uh, back in like 2000, from 2012 to like 2016, they did it. So basically when they would book a big headliner, like a Martin Garrix or a Hardwell, they would ask them if, hey, would they be willing to put one more show on top of that from 5 to 10 p.m.? Oh before the club God. opens and it was limited to ages 14 to 18 yeah so for, no so all high school kids no alcohol but they were the and th- that was not that's a pretty normal thing like teen events in new york but yeah, they were the sure. only ones able to do it with like hardwell or martin garrick's or rehab headlining you know only in new so york, it was so yeah cool. so it was pretty it was pretty incredible and i i was like a 15 year old kid i had no idea what i was doing I just messaged them on Facebook and I was like, Hey, if you're, I just started DJing. If you want to hire, if you're looking for openers for the event, there you go. And, well, yeah, like, I guess that sort of naivety of how it all works led to an opportunity because they were, they responded and they were like, Sure, come in for a meeting. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm sure, I know you grind your way through the Chicago scene, you know how it is with local scene and like selling tickets and getting those slots. And that, that's what, that was the name of the game back then, especially when you have how many no name out and no music. Them? Yeah, exactly. That's what, that's what, at the end of the day, that's what they care about. Yeah. And, I was able to sell like 50 tickets for the first event, which was with Nervo. And nice. I asked them, okay, what slot, what slot can I get for that? And they're like, oh, we'll put you in the basement because I had multiple rooms. <laughs> and the basement is basically the bathroom and the coat check. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I started off there and then I was like, all right, that was fun. But how do I get to DJ the main room? And they yeah. were like, oh, you're not, you're not going to be able to do that. That's only for people that bring in 200 plus tickets and I was like, okay, challenge accepted, you know? Wow. Um, so there weren't even like, uh, I went I went to a smaller school in New York, so there weren't even like 100 kids in my class. So like, okay, how am I going to do this? So, but luckily in, in New York, like kind of, a, it's a big city, but it's a small city at the same time. People kind of know each other, you know? Yeah. Um, so I found one friend at each of like the schools that I know friends at and said, mm-hmm. okay, you can can you sell these tickets for me? You can keep the commission on the tickets. I don't care for the money. I just want to DJ. Yeah. Um, and um, and I even even did like a bonus incentive to give them a part of my commission from the tickets I sold it personally, Smart. like ten bucks for every ten tickets they sold. Yeah. Just keep to keep them motivated, and then for the next event, um, I sold two hundred tickets and got to open for Hardwell. Damn. Yeah. Dude, like, fuck yeah, yeah man. Yeah. You yeah. So, were like, I'm gonna make this happen. Yeah, yeah. So, so that, so I'd say that was like the first moment of like, okay, like, I just started DJing like, with a year, one year, two years ago, and I'm, mm-hmm. pl- I'm like, in this playing the same rooms as like these big guys. Yeah, I'll be at team team nights, but it was still awesome. Yeah, of um, course. Um, so that was like the first moment, and then, you know, like, my parents are pretty. They're they're always very supportive, but they were also like, they wanted me to have my parties in check. They wanted me to go to college and stuff. Yeah. Um. So. I start. Um, I started. Um, in high school, I started touring a bit, but not as my own DJ, but as a DJ for a rapper. I love McConan. We'll get, I'm sure we'll get into that later. That was my next um, question. Bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck yeah. did that happen? Because yeah, so this was. So this was. I want to just get the years right here because I think this is yeah. important as well when it comes into your production. So, 2012, you go to Ultra, come back. 2012, 2013, you're playing at Pacha, opening for big artists, Nervo, Hardwell, yeah. and then I love McConan comes into the picture. Yes. Okay. Exactly. All right. What's the story yeah. there, bro? Because yeah, going up on a Tuesday was like the college fucking <laughs> anthem, dude. Yeah. My fraternity was um called Alpha Tau Omega. We thought yeah. we were tight as fuck because we had Taws days, right? And we we were like yeah. the ones who always had the biggest parties on Tuesdays, and there was this bar that had two dollar Tuesdays. So that song, yeah. I'm not kidding you, was <laughs> played at full volume in fifty fucking rooms. <laughs> Wow, sick! Man. No, that 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 was, that was a moment for sure. Yeah. No, so that what what happened there was super super random. I guess it's kind of a lesson to like never like any connection is legitimate is a legitimate connection. Never anything shut anything out. That like you're not you're never too big to talk to anyone. You're never too cool for anything. You know, yeah. I was at the time I was just putting mixes on SoundCloud mm-hmm. under a different name before it was Carter, which we don't have to get into. Yeah. But um. I hadn't, I wasn't releasing music. I was just recording my first DJ mixes and I get a message from this guy in Atlanta 
saying, I love your mixes. I play them at my house parties. And his name is Isla McConan. And it was before anything, before Tuesday, before Drake, before any of that. Like, and we just sort of, kept, we sort of kept in touch. I was, I was into his music as well. I wasn't, I was, I was a bit of a hip hop guy, but I wasn't too invested in it. But I appreciate like his music was always very, yeah, always stood out from the rest of the hip hop scene. You know, very creative, sure. yeah, very, very unique. Yeah. Um, so we just always kept in touch, sent each other's music to, for like feedback and whatnot. Yeah. And then, wow. All of a sudden, I'm on Instagram one day. And I see Drake posting a picture, like with the caption "Club Going on Tuesday." I was like, "Wait, isn't that his song?" And then he posted the remix on SoundCloud, and it became this massive hit. And we started messaging each other again. He was like, "Oh, by the way, I'm coming to New York to play Eight Tracks Fool's Gold Party. Do you want to pick me up from the airport? Let's go together." I'm like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> I was like a kid that's like just starting to DJ, and then all of a sudden I'm like hanging out with Eight Track and Makona and all these guys. That works. And um, jeez. And so, I, and so we did that. And then he was like, well, I'm getting all, I just signed with an agent. I just signed with OVO, Drake's label. Yeah. We're playing tour. I need a DJ. Will you do it? I'm like, of course. <laughs> Holy like, shit. How old are yeah. you? I was 17. Bro. Yeah. What? Yeah, this it was, it was pretty, it was pretty crazy. Ever, actually. Like, this yeah. is wild. Yeah. And then our first show together because what I love about Makona is that even though it was a bit of different from my scene, he's sort of like dance music fans appreciated him and dance music artists appreciated him. And he was sort of yeah. always in that world. For sure. So the first show we did together was Diplo's Mad Decent Boat Party, which is a five-day cruise from um, Miami to the Bahamas with Diplo, Skrillex, Dylan Francis, all these guys. Oh, and I was DJing for him there. And I'm, and everyone was like, who the hell is this kid? Like, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was definitely like, I was... Definitely too young to be there. It was probably a bit of a liability in, a, yeah. in hindsight, but oh my that, God. I, and, and, and that was sort of like outside of the New York local scene. That was my first foray into like the wider music industry. And even though I wasn't, I was just a kid then, I was, I, I was able to make a lot of connections that I still have to this day, you know? Yeah, of course, dude. That's yeah. so, so yeah. awesome. And, and honestly, props to you for just putting yourself out there. I think that's a huge thing that, you said you're never too cool. You're never too big. Well, guess what? You're never too small to to have yeah. that talent that can mean something to someone or help them out because this is a for sure game in my opinion. And obviously, yeah. Conan saw something in you, and sounds like yeah. he's a fucking homie too. No, he's a homie. We're we're still very close to this day. Um, we talk we talk every, every few days at least. Dude, that's um, awesome, man. Fuck yeah. And we I'm we made we, we even made music together. I've yeah. worked on some of his stuff. I have a, we, we had a collab on Hell Deep a few years back. Yeah, next to um, me, right? Yeah, next to me. So and so, yeah, so and then since then we did a bunch of shows together, but it got to the point where like I was missing a lot of school to like do tour with him. Like I and then I would sort of plan it like okay, we we have a PE gym class at the end of the day, so I can just miss that. My parents are like, oh, that that should be fine. And then I got called into the principal's office saying, if you miss one more PE classes, you're going to fail, not graduate. <laughs> oh, like, my God. So that was sort of like the turning point. My parents were like, okay, we got to like, you're doing good. This is good stuff, but you got to finish school. You got to go to college, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, Where'd you go to college? I went to NYU. I did the music program there. You went to INU, NYU. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, it's, it's um, a serious school for sure. Either yeah. Way. Yeah. So that, so I guess things have sort of, I wouldn't say slowed down, but I just sort of had to prioritize school and college and that. So I, I, I took it easy on touring and on releasing for a while. And, I, and, I, and at that point, I was sort of at a crossroads as an artist as well, because I wasn't really sure. Yeah. Like that was like 2015, 2016, where like the kind of EDM boom died down and the, the sound was was kind of like in a weird place. It was before house right. music, before any of that, which I'd say really reinvigorated my passion for dance music. For and sure. I was like, okay, let me just focus on school for a bit, keep making music, keep working my craft and see where it, ta- it takes me. And then I'd say the second moment where I had was like, okay, th- I'm going for this was 2018, mm-hmm. I'd say, where like end of 2017, early 2018, when I was a sophomore in college and I had sort of taken a step back to focus on school and I was like, okay, I'm doing well in school. Yeah. I'm making, still making music. Like what's going on here? I want to, am I going to go for this or not? And that was like the moment I'd say since then I was like, okay, I'm actually going for this, you know? Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Shout out to you and congratulations to you because it, it takes a lot to say, I'm really going to do this and then stay consistent. Yeah. And, and all these years later, I mean, here you are crushing it. 
appreciate it, man. That's awesome, man. So <clears throat> you actually released your first track in 2014, though, right? Wampa on yeah. Big 30. Well, damn, you did your research, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, yeah. man. I, I, I mean, I, I, I that, that that was definitely a, I was I was I was a part of me. I, I watched your interviews before. I know you dig deep, so I was, a part of me was hoping you might gloss that one over, but. <laughs> given I, I'm, I'm pretty i'm bro I, I'm ac pretty... <laughs> that track is sick man you know i'm a big room kid are you kidding i know yeah yeah but it, honestly yeah, 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 yeah. for a big room track it's pretty unique like it's not the the typical just like sound design like it has a really nice little break in it and mm -hmm. it, it reminded me of a lot of old tracks that just came flowing back to me and it's interesting today i think you know next year's gonna be 2024 mm -hmm. 2014 2013 every 10 years yeah big room was fucking big you know yeah Show tech hardwell we could go on and on w and w and it's crazy to see this this like cross-pollination of the artists like hardwell who are now making like 140 techno and yeah. even the like w and w's of the world and then you have like the john summits and the dom dollar everybody's just making the music really fucking fast like 130 bpm is the new 124 six. Yeah. it's crazy and, I'm excited because like it's we we know things go in cycles and usually it's about every 10 years. And as a diehard big room fan, you know, the early days that I always wanted to hear the biggest drop. I'm really excited to see what happens in the next couple of years with what could happen when artists like that collaborate or get inspired by each other. So Dude, I'm gonna start dropping Wampa. You wanna get back into it? Let's do it. <laughs> I haven't played I don't think I've played that track in like probably six years at least <laughs> um but uh but yeah no no i still have love for it, it was my first ever release um yeah actually bro. I, I actually made it very quickly the funny thing is like did you i was uh, yeah I, I mean i did what everyone else does like sample a kick from another big room track and just get that little over it and then <laughs> and um and then the, what i was really proud of it is like i've always been i don't have any musical training but i've always been very mellow melodically focused i was really happy with that song melodically yes um for the like you said the break and um yeah like you said like big room is the kind of the thing of the moment and i was just a kid so i was hopping on whatever was hot yeah so um so i was but i was happy that i was able to bring a melodic edge to that like, like i said avici was my first inspiration he's known yeah. for his melodies so i wanted to of sort of combine that with the big room sound you know is, is when I think back to those days, and it's funny you said, see, I haven't thought about, I used to sample like every Umet Ozcon kick drum because they were just yeah. like, the best fucking kicks. And I remember yeah. I, when I first opened Massive and Silent and uh, Serum and everything, right? And you got, you got, you got the fucking MIDI controller and you just, you hit a note and it's like, and you're like, wow, I am Hardwell. Like the song, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, that original yeah. feeling when you first start making music, like regardless of the actual quality, how fun it was just to create and be inspired. Like kind of, it's like in the same sentence, like you want to be inspired and then create, you know what I mean? It's not like I'm inspired, period. Then I create it's I'm inspired and I'm going to create. And I try and get back to that these days when I make music, because I feel like you get into it and tell me if this resonates with you. You get into it, you're having fun and you're making music and then you're like, okay, is this really working? Are people listening? I need to do what's going to work. And then you're working, you're not creating, you know what I mean? And you're kind of like losing touch of that first time you play a note on a MIDI controller on fucking massive, you know what I mean? And it, it's hard to come back to that, but I've been able to come back to that honestly through a lot of darkness. And now I've never been more excited about making music. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you really can't lose that like creativity. Like if you if you get to a position, yeah, like we were just, we were talking about before about like day jobs and whatnot. Like yeah, if you get a position where like you're lucky enough to make music your job, you still don't want to make it feel like a job because then it's just work and then you you lose inspiration. You still have to have fun with it. And if you're not having fun yeah. with it, you're in the you're in the wrong profession, in my opinion. Yeah, it's hard to do, and I've done yeah. this many times. Like you got to really love what you're doing because you're gonna be. Yeah. Realistically, you need to be your own biggest fan. Hundred percent. That doesn't mean like. I mean, how do I even explain this? You need to be your own biggest fan in the sense that what you make, you love, and the content that you make, you have fun doing. And it's kind of tough because we are in an industry where we all compare ourselves to the biggest artists. Because if you think about it, bro, if you just look at an EDC or Tomorrowland lineup, right? Like a lot of these are a lot of overlap, ultra, and everybody compares themselves to these guys that have earned these spots, but it's really hard, you know, and that's why I'm excited to get into your experience and 
um, how the music has given you these opportunities, but you don't want to get caught up in imposter syndrome because sometimes what I've found is the happiest people are the people that maybe aren't the global touring DJs that have the most followers on Instagram. They're the people that have followed their passion have a real fan base and go play in cities where they have followings. And I would always rather be that artist. Obviously the goal is to be the Hardwells, the Avicis of the world. But what's fulfilling for me is when I go to a place like Amsterdam and people know who I am because of the podcast, because of my music. And if I have one real fan that is out there for me, rather than a million fake fans, then that's what's going to be worthwhile for me. Oh, yeah. Like, I've always said I'd rather play to a room of, like, 100 people that are going crazy and know every one of your songs and, like, 2,000 people that never heard of you and don't really care, you know? Well, bro, I mean, be transparent with me because New York and Chicago have a, a lot of overlap like that, right? Like you cut your teeth. I mean, you were with I Love Makona and like you were playing a lot of open format stuff, a lot of rap. Like, oh, yeah. I did that same shit in Chicago and I used to think like playing at these big clubs or like these day parties and shit like that where I'm playing this open format shit was like going to be the penultimate moment for me. But I really was, wasn't was myself. I wasn't playing what I love. Oh, yeah. But just because there's a lot of people, I was like, this is it. But that's that's not it. But you kind of got to do that shit to realize that's not what it's about. No, 100%. There's nothing wrong with getting your name out there and getting experience. And yeah, like, for sure. I learned, I even though with playing with McConan, I was barely even mixing. I was just playing his songs to, yeah. for him to rap over, you know? <laughs> yep. um, so, But I still got to learn what it was like touring. And, mm-hmm. and obviously, like, I know so many producers who start touring and then realize it's not for them. So I was able to realize at a young age that I enjoy I enjoy touring. Yeah. And I enjoy playing music for people, whether event it wasn't always my music, but or the music I wanted to play, but I was still a great experience. I got to learn how, how a crowd works. And I learned a lot from a Conan about him being a, as an artist and as a creative. And um I was able to source a lot of inspiration from that. Yeah. And I was sort of like, if I if I can do it at this level, I'll why can't I do it on my own too? You know, so yeah. Even though, so there's nothing. I don't. I think, like you said, with playing open format shows, I'm sure you learned a lot about what makes a crowd move and things that can be applied to when you play dance music sets. You know, definitely. And it was yeah. for me to be an open format DJ and then become a house music producer and then find it. I found it very hard to get house gigs because I realized that there is this whole other world of artists that are earning those spots into the artist slots you know what i mean and my first house gig i opened for bijou at this fucking club up in the north side of chicago in a sweaty attic bro you know what i mean but i loved it so much and i'll never forget that um but i did learn over the course of those years firsthand about how the music was changing in terms of the taste i started calling an open format house you know what i mean there were a lot of edits that were coming out that was popular remixes And they worked really well because people wanted to dance. You know what I mean? Like they wanted to hear songs they know, but they didn't want to jump up and down necessarily. So I got to experience, and that's why I really started to love house so much more is because I saw this overlap. And like I said earlier, this cross-pollination of rappers. And that's why I love your song with McConan and why so many other house DJs and really just um, electronic music producers in general started making music with rappers and pop artists because it is there dude like people don't even know the ladies latest lady gaga album you might know this chami's credited on there axwell's credited on there burns is credited on there right like all these incredible dance music producers are the ones that are putting out these pop songs dude you know what i mean exactly so it's a really special time to be in the music industry particularly in dance music and in house and tech house like we are so yeah yeah wow love that shit bro uh, okay, so I want to talk more about your music here. You have an incredible discography, by the way, and it's, it's, Thank you. it's highly coveted, man. I mean, we're talking Chainsmokers remix. We're talking millions of plays, spinning releases, uh, FIFA 22 soundtrack. I got to talk about that first, dude, because I FIFA, to me, is like a way of life, bro. Like when I was young, really? yeah, I, I loved it. It's what got me into soccer, actually, at a young age. I think I started playing FIFA 07, 08, maybe. And uh, the music was always so much fun, dude. And then when I saw that you had a track on there and I listened to the song, and I was like, man, I could just imagine myself like in the warm-up arena, just fucking around, awesome. trying to volley, do the special tricks. And I hear your song, um, Out of Lives, featuring Charlotte Haining. 
and in, in 2021 I was on FIFA 2022. Did you expect this song to be like synchronized like this? Because I think that's sort of something that people don't understand so much. Um, I didn't honestly. Yeah. I had met one of the music supervisors for EA games a while, like a, three years before then. Yeah. And I would always like sent music and stuff and there was always interest, but never like a fit. And there's always, it was always kind of like, kind of like what you commonly hear from labels. Like, this is cool. Keep sending stuff. Well, yeah, we'll for sure. Listen. You know? Yeah. Like, like the yeah, line of communication was open. Yeah. It's basically a record label, you know? <laughs> and then eventually I would just send them the music and they actually liked hearing music that was unreleased because they, they want to hear it early and get excited about it. And I sent it that one that was in, I think May of 2021. And they're like, okay, great. Can you have the master by June? We, we, we want it. Um, and I was like, oh, wow. I was not expecting this that fast. And at the time, the track was unsigned. Had no, had no release plan whatsoever. It was just on finishing touches. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay, I was like, okay, let's do it. We got the track synced. We found a label that would put it out. Um, and, we, we had to, and, and we had to find, it was not, it was a, I think... Once you had a, a track with FIFA, it wasn't the issue signing the track, but, but you had to find a label that was going to release it in like by September. But by, by the time the game comes out, when you know how long <laughs> yeah. it takes to get, you, you run a label, you know how long it can take for tracks to, tracks to release on a label. Yeah. Um. So that so that that was a, that was a challenge in itself. But luckily, perfect havoc, great people, great team, yeah. great label. I've released with them since then as well. Um. Um. They love the record. They believe in the record and put it out with us. Um. So cool. So so yeah. So it it's sort of. The release of it stemmed from the sync, you know. It was sort, it was sort of. It, I didn't expect that to happen, but it was built around that, you know. Yeah. So yeah. have you have you played it and, and heard your song? Oh yeah. That, that I mean, I, I personally, trip. I'm not a bit. I play. I've played FIFA from time to time. Sure. Uh, I was never a huge sports guy. I'm, I'm as you know, I'm a Star Wars guy. I was sort of like. Yeah, I know that. You know, you you only have so many things in your life: Star Wars, music, <laughs> and um, sports. I've played. I was on a baseball team in high school, but. Uh, I guess I was never much of an athlete, you know. Okay, are you um, a Mets fan then? Probably Yankees. Yankees. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, I played it a few times. It's in the Volta mode, which is like kind of like the street soccer mode. Yeah. Um. So I was sort of played it um over and over again until I heard the song. I'm like, yeah, there it is. <laughs> Dude, that is um, so cool, man. Yeah that 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 was that was definitely an awesome moment. I've always been, uh. I was, I've always been a gamer for sure. And hearing my song in any video game was really cool, let alone FIFA and uh, my friends. And, and I think it took for it to, once it came out, that's when I fully realized how big of a moment it was because I've talked to friends that are soccer fans and not even music fans. Yeah. And they, t- and they talk about how much the soundtrack of the game means to them as the players and as gamers and as soccer fans and not, not, not even, they're not even in dance music or anything. They just, yeah have those songs they hear that song they immediately think back to memories of playing the game so it's that's pretty special that my song be one of those you know oh my god that's so awesome yeah i love that that example and perspective from them and i totally agree and that's something that i always think about as an artist and um always try and communicate to people that are trying to figure out how to make money obviously you didn't release a song to make like put it out on fifa but what a great way for you to get some revenue going back into your brand and synchronization is a huge thing that i think is really undervalued um because there are producers that just make music for sync but then there's dance music producers that make music for people to like enjoy and get energy from and that's why fifa is so great for that so mad respect to you bro i think that is like that's that's you you just i don't know you fucking impress the shit out of me with that because yeah that's definitely a career highlight yeah amazing um but let's rewind it back a little bit uh, I want to talk about these Chainsmokers remix. Two of them, Push My Luck and You Owe Me, right? Yeah. So cool, man. Have you met the guys in person or how did these come about? Um, I've met them in person. They're from New York also. And yeah, if that's what New I York yeah, is kind of so. Yeah, New York is kind of like, like I said, it's a small scene. Mm-hmm. So New York guys kind of know each other. Obviously, they're at, they're like mega stars. So I've always like look up, looked up to them. For sure. Um, and I've met, I'd met them a few times and I, I did push my luck the push my luck remix and i really want them to pick it up um d- it didn't make the cut but for, for the official remix package but they still supported it they played it and put it on their reposted on soundcloud and I don't, I don't know if, i don't know if you remember like 
back in the day of the SoundCloud repost glory days when like the Chainsmokers oh. repost was like the covenant. <laughs> Dude, and they, they, it still is, if you ask me, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they, yeah. Those, oh, yeah. They're true DJs, you know what I mean? Exactly. Especially yeah. Alex. And, um, oh, yeah. I, that's, that's, that, you know what? That's official enough for me, brother. So dope. Yeah. So, so that, so that happened, but I, I kept trying, kept pushing out. Every time there was a song I thought had an idea for, I'd, I'd ask their manager for the stems. Mm-hmm. Um, I did push my luck. And then, that was the one that I, and I, it was amazing. Alex sent me feedback directly on it. And we sort of like, he gave me ideas on, on the break. He's like, Oh, why don't you try something like this? And like, they're very, they're really talented, smart guys. And they're involved every step of the way, you know, in everything they do. So cool. And I had, I, I, we got it out, did pretty well. I hadn't seen a while since. And I actually ran into Alex a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. We, we both take our dogs to the same vet and we were in the waiting room together and we sort of caught up a bit. That was a cool, and, I, I wasn't even sure if you remember me. I was like, hey, man, I did the Push My Luck remix. And he was like, oh, shit, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's a very, like, New York DJ moment, I guess, you know? Oh, my God. That yeah. is. <laughs> I'm clipping that shit. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so cool, bro. So cool. Um, so we talked a little bit earlier about some of your experience in, in playing at shows. I mean, you mentioned Electric Zoo. We talked about Ultra, but I'm gonna read the full list out here for the people so that they're fully fully aware of uh, your your accomplishments and accolades. So you've done Ultra Miami, of course, Ultra Europe, Ultra Japan, Ultra Korea, Ultra Beach Bali. I mean, the man fucking travels. Um, and then we said Electric Zoo, Mystery Land as well, Maddie's and Boat Party. I mean, we could go on and on about these sets and your experiences, but I'm really curious um because ultra is known for bringing people from all over the world right regardless of where the festivals are ultra miami being sort of the penultimate uh like major major festival where it all started for them but as a dj how do you prepare for these sets because i saw your ultra japan uh set was that the one you had online yeah that like a, a japanese crowd i mean i have never performed in japan but i can only imagine that the crowd is certainly different than miami probably different oh, yeah. than Europe and definitely different than Bali. What, what do you notice and how do you prepare? I mean, what goes through your mind before, during and after? Yeah. Every crowd is definitely different. Yeah. Um, so you have to take that into account at the same time. You want your set to be like, I want my set to be an Ares Carter set. You want your Absolutely. set to be a Sherm set. You know, you, yeah. you want to have sort of a lot, sort of like the same thing when you're making music that you may try something in a different genre, but you want it to reflect your sound and be like, okay, this is a, your track same thing I, I approach djing the same way no matter where i'm playing you know okay so that. so they're so in asia they want to go hard in general <laughs> um so yeah, I, they play do. Def, I, I play definitely a bit harder but like okay okay like maybe i'm playing mainly house and techno these days so instead of playing big room like every other dj there um i'll play the harder sides of that and when we were talking about big room earlier like sort of coming back in a way you, pl- you listen to like an Eli Brown track. Those are big room synths over a techno baseline, you know? Exactly <laughs> like, what I was yeah, saying like, earlier, dude. Yeah, like, we're exactly, really yeah, not yeah, that yeah. far away. Yeah, we're not. You're, we're not at all. So I played stuff like that and it resonated, you know? It's a bit different from what they're hearing. And even though, like, my sound isn't, like, I, what I've realized is that people appreciate something different regardless if it's not their exact cup, cup, of, tea, cup of tea, you know? Mm-hmm. So they may, the big room may still be like the dominant sound in Asia, yeah. but... I'd rather gain 20 fans that love and house and techno and want to hear something different and appreciate me playing something different than everyone else in a lineup versus make every fan there happy with big room, but it's the same stuff everyone else is playing, you know? Right, 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 right. Yeah. So I did hear my dog barking, by the way. Oh, all good. All good. That's a little puppy. (laughs) No, all good. Um, You get it. You got a dog. I I got it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so I, I played a definitely a bit harder, but I still played my own music. I still kept it in line with what I usually play. Yeah. And I was really happy with that set. And like a week later, I played uh, my biggest New York headline show at a club called Nebula. Yes, I dude, played, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I played my I my set at in Japan was only 45 minutes, okay. but I, my Nebula set was two hours. So I basically played like an extended version of that set. I still had some of the biggest moments, yep. but I sort of bridged it out to create more of a journey since I have two hours. I sort of have more control of the crowd. Like oh, a 45 man. minute, it's sort of like, kind of like give it your all in those 45 minutes, but I was able to like create those ebbs and flows in the journey of the set, which, I, which is something I really appreciate as a DJ, you know? Amazing, man. So how, yeah. How did it feel to come back and headline your own city like that? Two hour set, it's amazing. Oh, it was amazing, yeah. 
I played, like I've said, I played in New York my entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, I've headlined small, very small venues at, and very small, like not even clubs, but just like venues where people play music, you know, you know, yeah, like sure. local stuff. But this was my first like big, big headline at a club where you regularly have like Zed heads on headlines there, you know? Yeah. Like it, it was pretty crazy. So shout out to Nebula for giving me the opportunity and, and, I was I was honestly very nervous because, you know how like when you're an opening DJ and they want to see how many tickets you sell, they'll give you like a tracking link. When you're headlining, like you're the tracking, the whole event is the tracking link. You know, it's yeah, all on, it, it's it, all on you. <laughs> um, if, if if people don't show up, that's there's no one to blame but yourself. You know. Yeah. But so, but I but I was, oh yeah, I was I was very happy with how it turned out. But there's always when you're doing a your first big headline in like an 800 cap room, that's like. A, a big moment is always a bit of nerves of whether people are going to be there, but yeah, it turned out well. Yeah. I know the feeling, man. I know the feeling. Yeah. I, let me ask you this. And I'm curious as, as a, as a DJ, when you prepare, what's your strategy? Are you making a playlist for each set? Are you going back to playlists are like, what's your preparation for something like ultra Europe, for example, or whatever it is. Oh dude. Like, record box is like it's like my i call it like my second dog you know <laughs> like, yes. yeah, 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 so yeah i i like i i take i take like preparation for sets very seriously mm-hmm. um, Me too. basically how i do it is i make i do nowadays i make a playlist for every sh- for every show especially the bigger ones Me too. um and i but i do have a running playlist that i keep of like all the songs that i'm playing this year like I, every every year i do like a refresh of the playlist and i and then sometimes i'll dive back because there's sometimes there's hidden gems that you might have missed when you made the playlist and i'm like okay let me go back into the full library all 2000 whatever tracks and scan through it quickly <laughs> yep. see if there's anything i missed yeah um but yeah i um for a 45 minute festival set i i'm pretty well prepared and know pretty much wrong to play with maybe slight variations yeah but for a two hour that. set it's sort of like i know the first few tracks and i know the tracks i know that I for sure i have I, I always have a, a main playlist for the show and I have a, a smaller playlist that's like a must play playlist. Like, yeah, these are the yes. tracks. You know that, fe- you know, I started doing this because you know that feeling after a show when you're like, oh shit, I, sh- I wanted to play this track but, di- but didn't end up playing it, you know? Dude. Um, especially your own tracks that you're trying to test out, you know? <laughs> um, so I make, I now before every show, I make a playlist of like, okay, I need to play these tracks and make sure I, I get through all, yeah, must, must plays and then everything else. And then depending on the show, you might have one of just the more like commercial stuff. If you know, it's a more commercial crowd, like yeah. more like Matt, like edits and recognizable vocals for sure. Um, but yeah, so it's sort of, and then I sort of end up playing from a mix of those three playlists. It's funny. You said that, uh, I was just talking about that with DJ Susan. We, especially him, cause he has so much music. He like forgets to play his own music sometimes. Not like, I don't think he ever goes a whole set without playing his own music. And I, I don't these days since I, um, excited about a lot of my new music but we just want to play tracks that fucking work you know what i mean like especially yeah. 45 minute or an hour set that is like not enough time you know that's like oh yeah 13 to 15 songs if you're mixing quick you can get up to 20 and it sounds like you're trying to own that a little bit more where especially now people are coming out to see ac bro you know what i mean like they want to hear aris carter music they want to hear sure music they want to hear whoever artist it is and you know, we're as artists, we're always going to be perfectionists and we respect other people's art too. It's hard to, it's hard to appreciate your own, but I think you got to lean into that as a producer as much as you can and say, I'm an artist who through DJing performs my music. You know what I mean? Like I I'm trying to think of it like that. Like this is the way that I play my music. People are coming to hear a great set, but they want to hear some of my own songs. So you do have to like fucking put that. Oh yeah. It's like, sometimes it's like seven songs. That's it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a transition when you start playing more and more shows. Yeah. Your immediate reaction, your brain is like, okay, these people don't know who I am. Like I want to play stuff that they'll know and get excited about. And then they'll become a fan hopefully. So there's a bit of that. And I'm not knocking that. And that is a part of the game. Okay. But once, once you start putting out music and making fans, like, at the end of the day, music's gonna is what's gonna get you the next level, not you playing a song that everybody plays at a show. You know, yeah. even if even if it gets a great a great reaction. Um, so true. So, I, it was, and I kind of had this moment very recently for Ultra Japan 
This is the first time that my set was going to have a full UMF TV video recording. And I knew that going into it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm sitting, I have like 12 IDs for 2024. I'm sitting on, uh, I'm going to play basically, I said my set in Ultra Japan was like 85% original music and IDs yes. as well. Yeah. So I, I sort of lean into that because like, even if people don't know all the songs, thousands of people are going to see the set, whether online or in, in person. And I want to show off my new music. I want not just to get the crowd's reaction, but to have have that content, have that music being heard that's not released yet and get a little bit of excitement about it because I prepared to release it all. Yep. That, that, and that was like a, I'd say a moment. I'd, I'd say that moment was a big shift for me. Even like I've been doing, as it, I, I had my release first release in 2014, mm-hmm. almost 10 years ago. I've been doing this for a while, but even then that was a moment where I was like, okay, like now's the time to shift. And like, okay, I'm playing my own tracks. My intro is always one of my own tracks. Yep. I, 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 I tend to always close with one of my last tracks um, with, a, with, a, with either a, a new one or one of the songs that people might know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like I'd I'd say like, and if you look at like kind of some of the greats like Martin Garrix, Cascade, yep. if you listen to one of their sets, they're playing almost all of their own music as well. Pretty much. Just, that's what that's people. That's yeah. That's that's what people. That's what people go for. Yeah. There there are other people that are like more of a, a DJ's DJs. There's some DJs that fucking crush it. They don't even put out music. They're just killer <laughs> DJs and they know how to work a crowd. That's awesome. Yeah. But if you're if your thing is playing on music, I'd say. Once you're in a position that you think the crowd will be receptive to new music, yeah, go for it. Play that play that new track, even if you're not up and happy with it. See how it goes, and that's the best way you can learn and say like, okay, what what does that track need? What can I do in future tracks that make the crowd more receptive? You know, yeah. So, that's you, so true. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, so I beyond, beyond just to. yeah, that's beyond true. just like getting your music heard, it's like important for you to learn that way. Yeah, and I actually said this during the panel. It's like. I'm in the studio. I'm listening to this track. It sounds good. It's unreleased. And then it puts it, I put it out and I'm like, fuck dude, it doesn't sound the same anymore. You know what I mean? It's that's just producer ear sometimes. So I always, and that's why a great, great thing about being able to test out music live, even if you feel like it's not ready. And dude, I watched all those videos and that's why I picked up that fucking edit. We can tell people. There you go. Picked up the Star Wars edit for Hood Politics. It's not coming out for a little bit. There's a video May that we're going to put out on. People can figure that out. Yeah. (laughs) But that was very smart of you. And and, I mean, you're a New Yorker in that sense, bro. You're a businessman. Like you're always fucking hustling, man. And and that's, that's smart of you too. And I love a hustler DJ because you can tell like, there are lots of different types of DJs. And it's interesting you said about the DJs that can really work a crowd. Um, you got to be a really, really, really good fucking DJ to be able to not produce. You know what I mean? I think, yeah. I don't think they're a thing of the past. I think actually it's just evolved into the content DJ, which people have problems with. And I just think it's the times, you know what I mean? Like it is what it is. Um, and a lot of these, actually, these guys and girls are producers that are just really fucking good at marketing their music. You know what I mean? Yeah. And exactly. it's hard for the guy who's the really good producer, but doesn't necessarily know how to put himself out there or herself or whatever it is, or is against TikTok or whatever. You know what I mean? And like, I can't believe these people are getting the slots or really good DJs that are like super underground. You know what I mean? We know the type and they're really fucking talented. There's no denying that. But it's like, hey, man, you got to understand that this is a business and we need to sell tickets because we are a business and we need to make money and we need to bring people to yeah. the show. And you got to think about the younger generation. And those are the people that are coming out to the shows and bringing their friends and buying drinks and bottles, whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? Festival, exactly. festival tickets. Who are the three day festival ticket buyers? They are young people. You know what I mean? So I don't know why I went on that rant, but I love that I did because it's always right. hundred percent. Oh yeah. <laughs> you, I say any DJ that's sort of like, knocking any path to success is it's i'd say it's kind of not the smartest way to go about your time um yep. any any way to if you at the end of the day if you have a real audience of people that care about what you're doing whether it's making tiktoks of you djing or mm-hmm. whether it's putting out amazing original music yep people someone is enjoying that content whatever yeah. it may be so yep. if they want if they're willing to spend their hard-earned money on a concert ticket or buying an album or or even their time streaming which may not be much but 
it adds to something every yeah. stream counts True. like that you're it's whatever you're doing is resonating with someone so i can't i can't knock the hustle in any shape or form you know absolutely brother i love that and i say that in many different ways too it's like there are definitely wrong ways to grow um that there is an endless list of those but i don't think there's a right or correct way or you know recommended way to success because we all have our own journey to take and we all have our own personalities and fan bases and the people that own who they are the most are going to go on a different path than the rest yeah you know? and you look at all the bis- biggest successes in the world the people you just mentioned martin garrix um cascade right those are people that had different sounds when they started to produce garrix changed the fucking game with animals cascade uh, revolutionized himself many many times alesso is an example i always like to use he's a timeless artist to me he will always be successful because he loves making music he's a great dj great performer but you know he's a long way away from calling lose my mind these days you know what i mean now oh, yeah i love that he gets two sets at fucking tomorrowland <laughs> one for the <laughs> one for the classic alesso and yeah. one for the main stage alesso which i think is so cool because there's never enough time there's always different audiences but yeah, I, I really like that uh, that example you used, man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so good segue into something that I always love asking people about. And like I mentioned in the beginning, the uh, the industry is in a, I believe, a really special place. Um, there's more festivals, there's more labels, there's more artists, there's more managers and agents, but that can cause for a lot of saturation in the market. And I'm curious, what do you do to stay unique and differentiate yourself as you're continuing to grow and, and maybe something that you've done in the past or something that you're working on now? Oh, yeah, that's I think that's a challenge every DJ faces, no matter how big they are. Yeah, it's like, how, how, how do you make yourself stand out, especially I'd say since the pandemic, when things have really boomed in, in terms of sheer numbers of people that want to be involved, which is great. It's always mm-hmm. good to have people involved, but it makes it harder for people to stand out and make turn turn a, a passion into a career you know yeah um yep alessa and but, good examples those are guys that have, look at what tieso just did with uh the the fucking good fella and nico and sway everybody wants to rule the world track yeah right yeah i saw that listen man you gotta fucking find a way to collaborate with these young guns or people that are challenging the status quo and um that's a great example you always have to be revolutionizing and growing continue though i'm sorry yeah no yeah no all good um, I'd say what I'm doing now to sort of stand out is you look at, especially in house music, everyone's sort of doing samples, mm-hmm. doing, um, sampling old tracks, whether it was like the nineties R and B, like doing two it <laughs> copies for a while, for a while. Um, now it's, I'd, I'd say the thing is like Latin house and stuff like that. Wait, did you say um, do it to it poppies? Do it to it copies. Yeah copies i think he said pop yeah, yeah, yeah. So like yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 no, 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 no like all of the 90s r&b samples you know? oh yeah um, yeah, yeah. That shit. um no it's, and, and some of it some i mean some of it's great There's, for sure there have been some killer records out of that and I, I still do stuff with samples from time to time because it's fun but my priority lately mm-hmm. has been original records with original vocals yep which is it may be harder to get traction because it's not like a catchy sample that everybody knows and wants to sing along to or without even knowing the artist yeah but i'm like i said i'm sort of looking to like the all-time greats like cascade who's mainly known for his own songs mm-hmm. uh like like you talked we talked about garrett we talked about tiesto all, all those guys yeah um so i'm for 2024 i obviously have some stuff like the star wars edit like we talked about like fun edits fun stuff but my priority is original records with original vocals yeah um because that's something like if you have a vocal that's not not a splice vocal not a sample that no one else has used that's one way that you're going to stand out in a sea of everyone using the same splice samples everyone sampling the same old records yeah um not knocking that at all i have some stuff that's sample based as well but i think having your music as original as possible and at the same time on, on the live side playing music that not everyone else is playing everyone's me playing the beatport top 10 yeah mm-hmm. throw sure i played losing control my last set like it's a banger <laughs> like you want you want to have those track those moments as well but yeah. people are going to remember you for um what you play in between the hits you know for the track the track they haven't heard yet that was good the track yeah, yeah the track 
<laughs> the track that I haven't heard yet. And I, and this is another quote. It's not mine, but I've heard, I've heard it somewhere and I always say it. Uh, let me make sure I get it right. <laughs> a good DJ plays what the crowd wants. A great DJ plays what the crowd didn't know they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That, so you see, so on, the, on the original side, making original music, making it stand out from, the, from, from other artists, uh, and on the DJ side, playing stuff that people might not have heard yet. Some undercut tracks from a random label that's a banger still or even a, a track from, from a bigger artist that's overlooked like i've been playing a track from sebastian grosso that's from 2008 that no one knows and it's been going off lately let's go i'll, I'll, I'll send it to you it's pretty sick yeah, um, please yeah it's called what's it called again um it's called lick my deck by sebastian grosso and john dalback <laughs> whoa it's like a 2008 record I, I i heard it in the boiler room set a few months ago and i was like oh shit i need to start playing this it's been going off well john so, so, yeah john yeah and grosso oh. and john dalback yeah that's sick yeah wow dude so many so many good examples and fucking points of view there and um yeah i i completely agree i really do um you do want to and it's like what we said earlier right like when you're playing your sets like you want to play your own music and you want to be challenging yourself creatively and it not not saying it's necessarily an easier road i mean for me and just to kind of play devil's advocate you know like sometimes when you're getting into producing or when you're feeling a bit of a lull it's easier to kind of find some inspiration in a track that's you know a sick um r&b vocal or rap vocal right oh 100 yeah what i've done is I've made a composition with that. And then I just remove the vocal and I say, okay, what oh, yeah. are we here? you know, like what, how can this become an original track? And what yeah. was so cool about ADE this last time was I kind of opened my eyes a little bit more to like, who's actually here. Um, not being so like, here's what I'm here to do. And there were so many singers there that are trying to network and help write top lines and introduce themselves to American producers, European producers, Australian, what anybody in the world, if you make music, they want to collaborate with you. And yeah. I would encourage people out there to just put themselves out there because yeah. there are singers, just like there are producers that are trying to do what you're trying to do. And yeah. I'm actually, I'm, I totally agree with you, man. That's an initiative for me in 2024 music that I put out. I want it to be original. Now it can be sometimes difficult to find a talented singer that meshes with your sound. But what we can also do, particularly in house and tech house, is write our own lyrics and do some spoken word shit, man, or just chop that shit yeah. up. I mean, you can do anything in Logic and Ableton, literally oh, anything yeah. with a voice, you know? So whatever you can do to be unique, I think, and again, remaining true to who you are and your sound and what's going to make you happy and being your own biggest fan is what differentiates yourself. And I can yeah. tell that in your music, man, for real. I mean, your latest you, one, um, Take Me Home is like it's a really emotional track you know it's like yeah it's certainly not wampa definitely not yeah <laughs> but i could tell like just from getting to know you you know at 80 a little bit like you you love what you're doing and i and i felt that in your music so Thank you, man. you know i i think that's just another good example of um trying to find a way to express yourself through your music um can be a difficult thing to do but it is possible yeah, definitely. Yeah. And like, and like I said, not knocking samples, like do that stuff. And I think it's also a great way to learn. For sure. If you're, if you're feeling not inspired, make a track that sounds like whatever the hot record is right now, mm -hmm. make it, try it, find a way to replicate those sounds, get your mix sounding as tight as that. And then when you have an idea that's original, apply those same lessons to that. And you know, you'll have a banger in your hands, you know? Yeah. So, there's, so, the, so there's no, there's no, nothing wrong with hearing oh i like this track i don't try making something like it and then eventually you'll get to the point when you get used to producing and get used to creating your own ideas that you'll start i start tracks all the time like oh i like this track i'll make something like it and then the more you spent time producing the more hours you put into it the more room there is for new ideas that come into the fold and then by the time you're done with the track it sounds completely different yep you know yeah fuck yeah dude you're a great podcast guest. Has anyone ever told you that? <laughs> I, 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 not, not yet. I've only done like a handful. Like, it's probably like the maybe second or third one I've ever done. So, how's this one been? Awesome, man. It's, it's, it's aw and, and this is the first time I've done a podcast where I was I, I was a fan of the podcast first. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah, I was uh, thinking about it earlier. Like, I mean, there's so many people doing podcasts these days. Like 
and music and comedy and just fashion and food and whatever else. Right. And it's, yeah. it's wild to think that, um, you know, I've been doing this for seven years now, 222 episodes and wow. three years ago, I felt like I was ahead of a curve 10 or seven years ago. I felt like I uh, was ahead of the curve. And now that I'm here, I'm like, shit, man, you know, I don't want to like, I don't want to take for granted like what I've done and uh, how many people are like have listened to episodes and stuff. So, um, you know, it's, it's just a beautiful thing and being able to connect with other producers, like I said, in the very beginning um, is awesome for me because I'm always trying to learn. I'm always trying to get better. Yeah. And um, you definitely strike me as someone like that too, who's just continuously Thank curious. You. And, Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, genuine. And um, there's not enough like us out there, bro. So yeah and matter of fact Polly boys man i know man i'm excited i'm excited to finally find edit with you guys and be part of the family um but yeah do it yeah man mad respect to what you do too because i personally can never do what you do i i personally (laughs) don't love hearing the sound of my own voice but yeah for you for you for you to put yourself out there and spend all this time talking to people asking amazing questions doing all this research like mad respect dude I I have definitely heard my voice a lot, and uh, <laughs> for anyone who's listening out there that is thinking about starting a podcast, you better be fucking serious about it, and you better be able to listen to your own voice because you need to listen to the episodes to get better and yeah. better. Did he, and, even when like I listen, I listen to my like Ultra Japan set, and I hear myself on the mic, I kind of cringe a bit. Like <laughs> <laughs> I I personally don't love getting the mic, but when you're playing a big big show, you kind of got to got to say something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You have yeah. to say something, but yeah, but I, I, but I, I, I love the vibe. Also, like an intimate club set where you don't even say anything. You're just you let the music speak for itself too. You know, me too, dude. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I usually like am on the mic just to like sort of make myself. Well, you're, you're 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 also like you you have the voice for it. You're 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 a hype man himself. You know, I do just like to tell people to take a drink with me. That's usually what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, you 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 have that kind of personality for it. You know. Yeah. So yeah. I, I and like and like. Like I said, like I found out about your music through the podcast. So yeah. people come, they don't want to just hear your music. They want to hear your voice too. So <laughs> I know. I, yeah. you know, it's so funny. What uh, my track Chicago Handshake, was, which samples myself talking, is like yeah. probably my fans' favorite track. And I always felt like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. You know, I already fucking talk enough and, and shit like that. But um, I think I'm going to do a little bit more of it next year because. Um, I yeah. do see some absolutely ridiculous things, so <laughs> might as well put it That'll out be there. Fun. You got you got to put yourself. You got to do like maybe you should be the first one who does like a podcast DJ set. Oh like, my a, like, god! Like your D like a like a your a interview live. Yeah, while you're doing a B two B with someone. <laughs> Are people? It's it's this is not seated, right? People have to be standing and dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, dude, standing, I've uh, honest to God thought about that shit like a hybrid sort of like I'm not a stand up comic, but I do sort of love like entertaining on the mic. Yeah. If I was able to do some sort of hybrid stand up comedy podcast, uh, house music show, like what would it look like? So I, I'm glad I'm not the only one thinking about it. Yeah. Could be could be cool, man. You got to lean into your niches a bit. That's sort of what I did with the Star Wars track. You know, like I love Star Wars. Like, why don't I make that a part of my thing? So absolutely. And, right. and then I and I I was like, everyone's done like Imperial March, the main theme and stuff. I was like, no one has done Duel of the Fates. I, I saw I saw I, I, I there's been like some trap and dubstep versions, but like yeah, I I, I want I thought like with that vocal doing it kind of like I don't know like main stage afterlife techno mash mm-hmm. thing and like bring oh that. so sick yeah thank you man i'm excited about that one i'm gonna be dropping that in pretty much every fucking set until it comes out and then every fucking set until it, i'm a huge <laughs> star wars fan too like i told you so let's go yeah. i saw that i was like can i have that <laughs> <laughs> awesome so what's next up for you bro what um this this episode will be out in the next next week or two um what's something that you can Tell everybody to get excited about rest of this year or maybe early next year. Early next year, um, some exciting shows planned. Okay, for sure. For, for I think a one one major one for the for the very end of this year that we're announcing soon, and then cool. another um, and then a bunch, a bunch more for early early next year, and then releases wise, I have some bunch of new music. Like I said, I've, this was a, this was a, a very creation heavy year for me where i was like sort of reshaping the sound a bit yeah and i have i have 12 tracks ready to go for next year um Fuck yeah not sure if all of them will get released but 
They're ready. Well, they're 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 ready. They're ready to go, and I'm excited to put them out and see what fans think of them. See what, and hopefully reach new people as well. That's so exciting, man. Yeah. So, tracks ready so, to go is a good feeling. Yeah, a few, a few, few of them already signed. I've one coming out hopefully early next year on Techni, um, which I'm sure you know, Noisy's label. Of course. Um, I'm excited excited about that one, and then, then yeah, some bunch of others. I can't say too much on on yet, but. I'm excited to see what people think. Well, the only question I have for you at this point is, are you ready to blow up? <laughs> I mean, that, that's what happens. I'm down. <laughs> I think so, man. Thank I think you, it's man. time, that. bro. We got, dude. I appreciate can that. We, no. Can we get you back on tour? Or I think Mac uh, McCona is going to DJ for you, I heard, and you're going to rap. <laughs> <laughs> not, not yet. I do one day. We've been talking about it for a while. It has to be the right show. <laughs> I need to bring him out to – to not as, as a special guest just do next oh, to me do tuesday right <laughs> um it's gonna, i it's like gonna, to it's gonna, yeah gonna, oh i like to and dude it's a funny thing like i talk uh, uh i'm glad you brought that up yeah the last the last thing i'll say about the mcconan thing it's created so many connections like i met cardian back in the day through mcconan when he made that song i was mm-hmm. i was literally in the studio with them when they made that song no and shit. then fast fast forward like seven years later Gordo, now Gordo hits me up. He's like, "Yo, that track's a banger," and starts playing out my music. You know, like, so you never full, fucking know, man. It's it's really full circle, you know. Like he he followed me on Instagram like way back then when I was a, a kid DJing for McConan, and then he saw the music I'm putting out and fucked with it and started playing it. So that's so sick, man. Yeah. I got a lot of yeah. respect for him. He plays hood poly music, and uh, he's bigger and better than ever. And I'm I'm stoked that someone like that. No, he, fuck it, he's I'm a man. He's the he's man. A, he, yeah, he's a man. Much love to D. Yeah, I, I, I sort of resonate with him a bit because I'm also come from a more EDM background. You've heard my early music, and he yeah. shifted towards house music. I haven't gone with the full name change just yet, but um, just yet, I, I, um, I, I, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, we'll right, see what happens. Right, yeah, but um, but but yeah, I, I respect that he's able to change the sound a bit and. He's one of the first people in, in the house music scene to, to play my new house music. So Amazing. all up to him. Good for you, bro. And now you got, now you got all the hood poly boys playing your music and um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's awesome to come across people like you in the industry. Like I said, we're, we're networking, but we're just making friends. Right. Yeah. At the, at the end of the day, like the bet on the, the relationships that have done the most for me are the ones that started as friends first. And then, and then you get into the business stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. There's 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 not there's nothing like making a new friend and seeing how you can work together, you know. So, and also people I've met through business have become friends as well. So it can work it can work both ways. But at the end of the day, it's all got to be natural. You got to make connections the right way. Don't force anything, and then you never know what can come from it. So, uh, bring it back to the big, where we started. Yeah, a guy from Atlanta on on SoundCloud with like a hundred followers could become have the hottest record in the world two years later. So you never know. You never fucking know, brother. Yeah. God damn. That that was a great way to end it. You should start your own podcast, actually. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not just again, not just yet. <laughs> everything's on the docket for you, isn't it, AC? Yeah, no, everything's on the docket and I'm I'm open to anything. We'll see where this where this road takes us. I'm sure you're the same way with your career, you know? Absolutely, brother. Well, I can't wait to uh continue to stay connected. I'm gonna be in New York in a few weeks, actually, November eighteenth, if you're gonna be there. Oh, amazing. You playing? Yeah, I'm opening for Truth and Lies at Bogart House in Brooklyn. Oh, sick, sick. sick. Yeah, I'll definitely. I'll, if I if I I should be in town, I'd definitely love to come out. For sure, I'll hit you up. We can uh, we can link. Um, Amazing, yeah. you gotta come by my studio. Is it? Yeah, where is it? It's in Soho. Fuck yeah, let's go. I'm down. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, it's a date. Awesome. Hell yeah, brother. Well, thanks so much yeah. for taking the time and coming on, dude. Thank you for having me on absolutely everybody gotta go check out my friend aries carter he's so talented got stories for fucking days there's a reason for that so congratulations on your success brother and i can't wait to continue to watch you grow amazing congratulations i'm excited the podcast is coming back as a yeah as a fan for a while so honored to be back to be on it and one of the first guests back yeah absolutely brother well it was a pleasure man thank you so much thank you